0: But we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth What do we know? To telephones and no to you.
1: Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself My name's Ryan Placetti and I am here to disentangle you From the Gordian knot of the internet's bullshit And I'm Matt Saintsing and I'm basically around for the ride <clears throat> Yeah, so uh How's it going, Matt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> OK, um, I love this right now. Uh, for those of you who are confused right now, we record uh, two episodes whenever we do this. Uh, and this is the second episode. And in the first episode. Right before it, Ryan says, I have a beverage that I want to save until the second episode. And I said, OK, well, I'm, I'm happy to know about it. And as I was speaking, I see banana milk brought up to Ryan's lips. It is a great callback to is that there is that our third episode. Doggy day drinking, where we talk
1: about the lethality of a banana. Is it um, banana flavored milk or milk derived from banana? This is a Korean product. Um, in English, it's described as banana Flavored milk drink, and the Korean confirms that it's banana mat uyu. Uh, Banana meaning banana, mat meaning taste, and then uyu meaning milk. Ryan does have a degree. The army taught him Korean, and it looks like they
0: didn't do half a bad job. He's if you can buy banana milk, that's that's what you need to do. I can I can buy
1: banana milk, which is the mark of true fluency. Absolutely,
0: and I'm glad you did this because it it definitely generated a legitimate laugh for me. And we're going to talk a little bit about (laughs) laughter today, right?
1: Yeah, Matt, Matt usually fakes laughing for uh, me. Yeah,
0: I, well, I'm used, I'm, I'm used to having to fake it for Ryan, but with
1: other people, it just comes naturally. <laughs> we laugh when it's supposed to be funny, not necessarily when it is funny. Oh,
0: well, I, now I just found out that you don't think I'm really
1: funny I, because I, every time I laugh at you, it's legit. That's not true because you said that this was an actual genuine laugh, implying that sometimes you laugh when it's not genuine. That's something you brought to it. The reason I said um, this is a genuine laugh is because because we're going
0: to talk about laughter today, I didn't want our audience to think that was planted. So that laugh was genuine, as is all the other laughs I've had on Don't Wreck Yourself.
1: Uh, Well, that's that technically I I have. uh, Matt may not have realized this, but sometimes I move his laughter around so that he laughs at my jokes at just the right point in time.
0: I 100 percent have noticed (laughs) that. And I just I just think that is something that you you need. That's a you problem, not a me problem. (laughs) So
1: one way that you can tell if a person is genuinely laughing at what you've said, even if it's not funny, is if they're on marijuana. It's if they're on the pots. And that's something that is
0: very near and dear to my heart, my lungs, my trachea at times, you know, my sinuses. And definitely
1: and definitely your brains. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the goal, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> if, if if everything goes according to plan. And I, I'd say the
1: probably the hardest part of doing a podcast is staying sober, not smoking weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've
0: done pretty well at doing this with a good state of mind, shall we say? I was very tempted today because we do have a just a, a topic that lends itself to the cannabis arts, if you will.
1: Okay. Well, uh I'm pretty Cali sober today, so nice. what do you got? So
0: uh, I saw a meme on Facebook, of course. It has three images of just like gold bowls, right? Like just like something from antiquity. And uh-huh. the, ca- the caption is, this are, so you're already screwing up the, uh, the the grammar here. This are 2,400 year old solid gold bongs used by
1: kings to smoke
0: cannabis. And cannabis is in
1: quotes. All right. Well, they couldn't get the R right, so I'm skeptical about them getting the archaeology right. (laughs) Yeah, I had the exact same fear, right? I was like, there's no way this
0: is going to be true. But guess what, Ryan? It 100% is. There are several news articles from 2015 that state a 2,400-year-old pure gold bongs were used by Aryan tribal kings to smoke cannabis during ritual ceremonies, which I can only assume was on their couches eating whatever the equivalent is of Taco Bell, right, in 2,400 years ago.
1: (laughs) Ah, 2,400 years ago, they probably would have been eating a lot of bread, uh, maybe some meat. This is in Russia, so I don't know <laughs> if they had Borscht,
0: but, you know, yeah.
1: Where are they? De- well, the, you, you said it was uh, Aryan king, so it, it, it would have been like northern. sounds that sounds like northern Persia, like Caspian Sea area, like Black Sea. They uncovered it actually in Russia, right? This, okay. was, this was in Russia, but you know more about
0: this than I do. But since I looked it up, I want to tell all, all of our listeners their territory stretched a little bit from the little north of the, the Black Sea, stretching over Persia to the north of the Caspian Sea. It looks like the borders are kind of fungible, as uh, ancient civilizations often are. Right. Yeah.
1: And I think it's worth noting for the listener that Aryan is the root name of Iran. Yeah. And it is one of many ethnic groups that would have fallen into the territory of that greater sort of Indo-Iranian area. So, like, yeah. the, per- the Persian Empire is named for the Parsi people and then modern Iran, like I said, is named for the Aryans. For sure. But what I think is interesting about
0: unearthing these gold bongs that that scientists very eloquently say was that I know I see the banana milk. I see it. I, I know. I see it. I'm right. having a BM. Uh, oh, God. Mm. <laughs> Nothing like a solid BM in the morning to quench your thirst. <laughs> well, I mean, this is,
1: this is the only gold bong I'm allowed to have today. Uh, well, that makes one of us at least um, at least until we finish recording. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. We should have a,
0: a separate smoke session. that will be a bonus episode for our Patreon payers Oh, hell yes. A- anyway, um, so the archaeologist was excavating a, this site in Russia, but they were excavating it because they were trying to make room for power lines. So this archaeologist was just essentially like digging just to make sure nothing was going to be screwed up. Right. And you can just imagine digging a hole, not really expecting to find anything. And then you have this whole Indiana Jones moment where
1: you'd be like, this needs to be in a museum, right? Yeah. So rescue archaeology is actually probably the most common type of archaeological work available to people because typically it's funded by governments. Yeah. Or it's mandated by governments for private corporations to conduct archaeological surveys. So that way they can determine whether the site is uh, culturally sensitive or... Culturally important enough to preserve or to recover. Yeah. So you'll see the largest forms of rescue archaeology like that typically occur before they build a dam, because when you build a dam, you create that reservoir that floods. And a lot of times, especially in certain parts of the world where you have ancient architecture, there's things that need to be recovered and removed before they get flooded.
0: Yeah, Elise was an anthropology major. A common job that they were apl- that some folks were applying to was to work for. Can't remember which government agency, but it's essentially being uh, an archaeologist. So whenever they build a new road somewhere, just make sure they're not yeah. unearthing unearthing like so, something culturally important. But, it's, but I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. As
1: an archaeologist, I've actually applied to those jobs. It's, yeah, I bet, I bet you it's have. It's the yeah. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Typically, is who's hiring oh, wow, those. Okay, mm-hmm. I did not know that. In addition to the gold bongs,
0: they found seven pounds of other golden artifacts, golden cups, rings, something they call neck rings, which I would call a a necklace. Right. But whatever.
1: uh, The difference between the difference between a neck ring and a necklace is that a neck ring would be solid. Necklace would be uh, more of a chain or pendant. Okay, well, thank you. That's information I'll definitely
0: use when I go on Jeopardy. Uh, (laughs)
1: I'll tell you what, artifact
0: classification is a big deal. I'm almost sorry that I brought up this topic now because it's every every five seconds is going to be well. Actually, it's this, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh so, like, I just want to talk about Russian bongs and antiquity. Come on, okay. Man. I'm just kidding. Did, did just they kidding. listen to so antique
1: techno music?
0: <laughs> <laughs> these uh, these seven pounds of gold artifacts and the bong they were found buried and concealed in a stone container. So someone was trying to like keep this on on lock, right? Yeah. But scientists noticed a thick black residue, which was revealed to be cannabis. And opium. So okay. they were really getting lit back in the day. They were lacing that shit. They were. Yeah. They must have been just like the frat brothers, you know, in like 2400 years ago, Aryan frat brothers. Yeah, they had a little
1: Miami Thunder in there.
0: They probably have like giant Joe Biden aviator glasses <laughs> and like a Hunter Biden nose. <laughs> <laughs> That's for our right wing sure. listener. Our, would our, really get for our
1: one right wing listener, I'd like to point out Hunter Biden's clay tablets which clearly reveal a pattern of misconduct. He was in bed with the Scythians. Ooh. Yeah, I know. There's
0: a whole comedy podcast to to dunk on the Bidens with Eastern Europe and Ukraine we're doing here now. (laughs) But um, experts, they published a study on it. They said opium and cannabis were most likely used in hallucinogenic rituals, uh, which what we call today are music festivals, of course. (laughs) Um, The items from Russia is considered to be the oldest... Known gold bongs in existence, uh, it is believed to be used from the Scythians, and nomadic people of Eurasia, stretching from again the northern shores of the Black Sea to the northern shores of the Caspian Sea. But it is not the oldest
1: evidence of cannabis smoking on record. Hey, I'll have you I feel know, pretty Ryan. good because I, I I totally I, I didn't read I didn't read this article because I wanted to come into this clean. But yeah, I feel like a real genealogist being able to name check the Scythians before they came up in the article. No. Yeah. It, um, again, I, it was a bad idea to pick this topic because all you're
0: doing is demonstrating how good you are on this stuff. And I'm just like trying to make pot jokes.
1: <laughs> oh, but the uh, thing is, uh, we all have a role to play. I'd like to point out that marijuana is legal, both where Matt lives and where I live. Yep, um, I live in Washington, D.C. Oh, wait, you, medical pot in Pennsylvania. It's medical marijuana in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, yeah. honestly, I couldn't get a decent decent night's sleep without it. So thank you, pot gods. I would say that I use cannabis recreationally
0: and medically. It definitely helps with my insomnia. Um, and it also helps me to have a good time when I'm bored. So I only yeah. use
1: <laughs> marijuana recreationally when, when I go to where it is legal to use recreationally. Otherwise, I keep it very by the books. Yeah, I dot all my T's. I cross my I's because I am Bombed, I cross my eyes and dot my T's because <laughs> I'm high as hell.
0: <laughs> no, so um, so drugs have long been associated with warfare, right? And so I it, it, a lot of times it's uh, used uh, people, it's believed that some ancient pot smoking was before battle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the art of war, Sun Tzu wrote that speed is the essence of war, which is why perhaps the Nazis experimented with amphetamines, right, <laughs> trying to get all hopped up on speed, right? But I think it's interesting. But the oldest evidence for cannabis use on record, Traces back a hundred years before these artifacts, 2,500-year-old wooden artifacts were found in Western China. Uh, It's unclear whether in that study it was used for psychoactive properties or if it was used in ritual ceremonies like watching ancient Family Guy or South Park episodes.
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, this is um, it, it's interesting because when you get into when you get into substance use, the idea of yeah. of cracking down on things didn't really occur. I also think, yeah, well, if they're found if you're t- with seven pounds of gold artifacts, abs-
0: these were not, you know, average people of their time. Which, right? which isn't
1: to say that the pores of the time didn't also do this stuff. We just haven't found the evidence of it. And, and yeah, yeah. It's just not preserved like gold. Right. Is and yeah. I don't think that we would have such a limited assortment of archaeological treasures associated with marijuana use if it was more widely used. I think the pot that was from, you know, two millennia, two and a
0: half millennia ago. It is not the same. It's not the same OG Kush we all know and love. Right. It is probably not
1: that it's not that sweet purple. haze. it's
0: probably way lower in THC Uh, because I know this because when you talk to really old hippies, they all say, man, the pot nowadays gets me way higher than the ones from the 70s. And so that was only like 40 years ago. So imagine 2,500 years ago. Right. So it's really hard to know if it was used recreationally. I bring up the thing about warfare because I think that's interesting. There's also a, a really good research on this about about drugs and warfare. There's a historian by the name of Norman Oler. He has a book that's called Blitzed, which I think is hilarious. (laughs) It's about drugs in the Third Reich. And it's fascinating for everyone out there. Um, They found old bongs, old gold bongs in Russia. Not the oldest pot on record, but pretty interesting in its own right. And the meme is 100 percent true,
1: even despite the grammatical error. All right. So there's that. When you uh, look at, say, like the biblical story of the nativity, you do have a little bit of the same kind of elements, because a lot of times marijuana would have been incorporated into religious ceremonies by burning it in censers, which are those little those little smoke balls on the ends of chains. In the Catholic Church, still has this, right? Those, yeah. So, in, in the in yeah. the Nativity scene, what what happens? You have three wise men or magi from the east, which would have been if you're in Israel, Persia. Oh, oh they would, have been, they would okay. have been coming from from Persia or perhaps uh, uh, Mesopotamia, and tell me that one of the wise men brought pot for baby Jesus. Uh, they brought That's frankincense really what we're to go and myrrh which are frankincense which are forms of incense no officer that's just frankincense (laughs) (laughs) so yeah they they were luxury they were luxury goods that you would burn to make you to to smell good or they would be incorporated into perfumes so the idea of bringing frankincense and myrrh to burn and make things smell good isn't that far off uh, from the use case for marijuana at the time interesting interesting talking about smoking and things that
0: smell good and maybe things that smell bad brought me to this question from r slash no stupid questions a place on the internet where it's literally impossible to have a stupid question.
1: What if they ask, oh my gosh, I just, I was, I was about to ask a stupid question. That's not the appropriate time. Stupid question segment comes later. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, so it's a stupid question here, but if I were to go to the Reddit website, go to r slash no stupid questions, then enter my question there, even with the exact same wording in that milieu, that liminal space, it wouldn't be a stupid question. <laughs> So this
0: question from r slash no questions, a user by the name of two oh two. And there are too many twos to count. It's like two oh two and then like twenty twos. <laughs>
1: uh, uh,
0: it, yeah. Oh, you know that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, the question is, if a smoker falls into a coma for a long time, would their smoking addiction go away once they wake up? Ooh. And I think it's a really interesting question. That
1: is an interesting question. And I, I think that you and I, uh, what's your experience with uh, tobacco smoking? Oh, I am I've never been a fan. I think the the I think the first time I ever smoked
0: a cigarette, I definitely vomited. Uh the second time I smoked a cigarette, I was in Iraq. It was a Camel Turkish non-filter that made me hurl. And then I got into cigars
1: like very very briefly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I was uh were you addicted? Would you say you were addicted to cigarettes? Oh, I've definitely gotten to the point of addiction. I've never had a problem quitting, though. <laughs> I can quit whatever I want. I just don't want to. <laughs> you know, I could have a cigarette and then not have another cigarette for weeks. Or, yeah, there were times in Iraq where I was smoking like a pack a day because who gives a shit? Um, were they those uh, those those Golasas Oh, the that Was Sy- The C- Syrian brand or something like that? I mean, yeah, I, if you're in America and you're a smoker, it's a pretty expensive habit. But virtually everywhere else in the world, it costs like nothing. You're actually losing money if you don't smoke in Iraq. Yeah, it's 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 (laughs) probably the safest way to keep your currency. Jailhouse rules. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. People moving cigarettes across the border. Very smuggling cigarettes. Very real thing. But uh, as I recall, a carton of American cigarettes in Iraq was $20. A carton of uh, I don't want to say domestic, but we'll say cigarettes that were produced more domestically or possibly in China uh, for the Middle Eastern market were about five dollars a carton so that's wow okay that's 200 wow. cigarettes for five dollars yeah <laughs> jesus christ wow terrible terrible well um so th-
0: this question so this got me down a different path that i think definitely applies to the coma for cigarettes and that's some physicians globally will perform medically induced comas to treat addiction the ide- the idea is to put them in a coma on purpose, one that is unlike a natural coma, on purpose and reversible. So to sedate the patient into to maintain a comatose state, the idea is to make it so they, they don't have to go through the actual withdrawal symptoms, yeah. right? Uh, the horror of having, and this is particularly used in Russia and, and in Kyrgyzstan for heroin addiction, actually.
1: Okay, well, I mean, that totally makes sense. Has, is there any documented case of people using that for cigarettes? The literature, the scientific literature on this is really, really mixed, right? The medical standards
0: in Russia and in Kyrgyzstan stand maybe are not up to <laughs> snuff with a lot of other
1: they're willing to take just a little bit more risk yeah exactly
0: exactly right
1: <laughs> you walk into your clinic and your doctor's outside squatting in a track suit smoking a cigarette and you're like this is the man who's gonna help me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah right um the track suit is such a good yeah you're right i don't know why that's associated with uh with statistics. Russians, you're absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, right. Because, because because of reality, right? No, so Russia, a few countries in, in a few other countries in Eastern Europe and in uh, Central Asia. It lasts up to eight days, according to some news reports. So it's a coma detox treatment. It's also known as rapid uh-huh. detox. This is when a patient undergoes you know, general anesthesia for several hours. And then they're also given the opiate receptor blocker naltrexone, okay. right? Uh, like Narcan. They do this so the patient doesn't suffer through withdrawal symptoms. That's the underlying theory. And there are people online who are saying, well, you're not really going through the, you're not going through the purpose, you know, the purpose of withdrawals is so you never have to go ba- so you don't relapse, right? Because you don't want to have to go through these withdrawals Yeah, i again, dog shit right? on that. But I think. I think that's 100% bullshit because if you have lung cancer, we don't, or if you're smoking, if you're trying to smoke, we don't give you lung cancer just so yeah. you can like stop smoking cigarettes. It's such a bullshit argument. But what I think the better argument is, is this also doesn't really work like people think it does, right? Uh, some doctors think it actually increases the chance of relapse because you can still have nausea. You still have cravings. You still have vomiting. You still have pain and you don't, you haven't gone through this experience of having these withdrawal symptoms. So you're, some, some doctors say you're actually more likely to go back down and, and you know get your yeah, fix, if you and will. I,
1: I think the medically induced coma or the idea of going into a coma doesn't necessarily change the underlying hardwiring. It just gets the chemicals out of your body. So and yeah. I, I, I can, exactly. I can Exactly. I can speak as a as a person who has smoked cigarettes to the point of having that chemical response. Like you get chemical related cravings like your body stops getting the chemicals. And yeah. for me, that usually fades after about three days. So as long as I can commit to not smoking for three days, I'm, I'm good to go. But you also develop certain habits associated with it. Like some people wake yes. up, they drink a cup of coffee, they smoke a cigarette. Some people they have that fixation of uh-huh. bringing something up to yep. their lips, they, the yep. oral fixation, yep. the act of having something to do with your hands. Yeah. is really important. And that's why people gain weight
0: a lot of times when they let or stop smoking cigarettes because they're like eating candy or lollipops or some other yeah, high like, I a, snack. like
1: one of my favorite times to smoke a cigarette is after I take a shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And, and, oh, no and, I mean, I, it, I appreciate the it honesty. Kind of, yeah. like in, in a lot of ways, it's It kind of makes sense. Like after a high stress situation, it's very <laughs> relaxing.
0: <laughs> so I think the the uh, the problem with this is that You know, going through a rapid detox, you know, doesn't take away from there needing to be a comprehensive plan to decrease the likelihood of relapse. American physicians online are saying that, you know, this will end the chemical addiction, as you say, but it doesn't end the habitual response that we all have. So I think when you try to apply that logic to cigarette smoking. You know, I did find an account online from a fellow Reddit user, AfraidSoup2467, who he was in a coma for 3 months following an accident, yeah. right? This was not a coma on purpose. This was a this was like a trauma, he had a traumatic brain injury. This is a
1: this this, this was an organic this coma. This was an OG coma as nature intended.
0: <laughs> so but uh uh the first thing he wanted when he got up after 3 months was a cigarette, right? Uh so Quitting while you're awake still may be a better option than undergoing this rapid detox process, and I think
1: that is just an interesting, interesting connection. Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting that if you have to choose between trying to kick your cigarette addiction by going under a medically induced coma or kicking your cigarette addiction by going under an O.G. natural coma through a car accident. Oh, God, I would recommend doing the medically induced one. You should never get into a car accident to quit smoking cigarettes. Well, I think that the best option might be just to try to quit while you're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, a, here's, you know, here's maybe a that, let's say, you know, let's say um, and we're going to assume for the sake of argument that there is absolutely no marijuana or alcohol involved in this scenario. But let's say you're super hungry for Taco Bell. At, 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 you're, you're really craving some fourth wheel. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 2 a.m. Your tummy's a rumbling. You get behind the wheel. Again, no drugs or alcohol involved in this scenario. You just got off night shift. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've been working and your tummy's rumbling and you get into an accident. You go into a coma. Six weeks later, you wake up. You still want the Taco Bell. Are you still craving Taco Bell?
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say I, I think that's I think that's an interesting experiment that no one should try. Um, be, I, th- I just think also it kind of conjures an image of just like uh, some rich asshole in like a very expensive sports car, you know, driving like hell on the highway. Cop pulls this guy
1: over and they're like, what the hell are you doing? "Oh, I'm trying to quit smoking, officer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? This is this is a
1: complete tangent. You can you, you, you can call the firing squad if you need to. But I was was reading an article this morning online and the headline was something like Tesla driver drives into old folks home, killing 18 year old. Apparently four young guys who were hot dogging around in a Tesla in the wee hours of the morning and they lost control of the vehicle. And it they're high off Dogecoin. They might have been high off the Dogecoin. (laughs) I don't know how you smoke a Dogecoin. On the government doge. <laughs> but they. they but I, I was just wondering, in that case, like it, it was necessary for them to report that it was a Tesla. Like I, I got into the article, I'm like how does, <laughs> were they using like the automatic drive feature? What's going on here? Yeah. Why is Why is Tesla implicated in this vehicular manslaughter? Well, it's because if you
0: drive a Tesla, it's the first thing anyone says. Hi, what's up? My name's Paul. I have a Tesla. So that's what he that's what I told the reporters, what they told the cops. So it was a big part of the story. Can I
1: interest you in some vegan cookies? <laughs> Oh, by the way, did I mention I'm also a helicopter uh, pilot? Yeah, it's just, I'm a Marine. Can you read this menu for me? <laughs> for, so for those of you who haven't served in the military, it's funny because Marines can't read. Good luck finding this podcast. They can't type it in. Yeah, right? I hope nobody li- shows a Marine how to listen to our podcast. or We might get our asses kicked.
0: <laughs> I work with a few Marines. Actually, my boss is a Marine. Holy shit. I
1: got to stop since we got since we got this banana milk here. Both my bosses are Marines actually like five of my bosses are Marines. It's crazy. Oh, they're going to love this joke then. Do you want to hear my favorite Marine joke? Um, Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I can't wait now. And and it's a total callback to episode three about the lethality of bananas. What do Marines and bananas have in common? Oh, I don't know. What, What is it? They start off green, they turn yellow and die in bunches on the beach. Oh, that's... Wow, (laughs) holy shit.
0: That's kind of... That's dark. It's like like a a, a joke you hear in seventh grade. It's so
1: dark you're afraid to repeat it. That's... um, Jesus, man. That one one just makes me laugh. My dad's a Marine, so I feel like I can... so I feel like I can insult all of them because I feel like I'm I can insult to every, <laughs> everybody who's ever served, uh, served in the Marine Corps, except for the ones who died honorably.
0: I'm related to one of them, so I'm, I'm allowed to talk shit about all of them in perpetuity for the, all of for all of time. Oh, you right? can't
1: you, you, you can't take the moral high ground now. You were dogging on them for illiteracy before. Well, yeah, but that's true. <laughs> I, you know,
0: <laughs> sorry for speaking the truth, man. It's about find, this podcast is about finding truth on the Internet, my friend. <laughs> I will say one thing I think the Marine Corps does well that the Army, I think, I think the Army would do a little better And is every Marine I meet is a historian. They all know about certain battles and like, you know, stuff that the Army doesn't teach you in basic training. Every Marine graduates their boot camp knowing like all, like the whole lineage and the yeah, mythology. because they had like will. five
1: good battles. They're like, and and most of it's in the song, so it's easy to remember. They're like, yes. the of Montezuma, Montezuma to the, shores, to of the shores of Tripoli. They they literally just like they they put they had to put it to music to get them to remember it. I see.
0: <laughs> With, and this is the last this is the last thing I'll dunk about the Marines is the largest amphibious assault in history involved zero Marines. That was D Day, my friend, that's the United States Army. <laughs> so so suck it, Iwo Jima. Oh, right?
1: They missed the boat
0: yeah (laughs) all right should we move on Uh, not before we apologize to the marine corps Uh, well i will do no such thing
1: I'm, i'm i'm going to apologize to all the all the beautiful marines in my life you are simple gentle creatures deserving of my respect my love and my compassion but you know, so addictions, no joking matter, but I think you had a topic that invites laughter. So, yeah, we, there's another topic that, you know, really
0: kind of makes me makes me chuckle. And that's this thing called the the ditty laugh. And oh. you, may not know, you may not know it by name, but you have absolutely heard it. And we're going to play it for you and the world right now. <laughs> so. This short clip is heard in everything from Barney to dog food commercials to horror movies, right? This was uh, brought to my attention from, you know, friend of the show and life partner, Elise, my girlfriend. That's, that's a lot uh, of dedication. She's probably one of our most dedicated fans. She listens to it every Tuesday morning on her way to work. So she says, I really have no way of knowing it, but I, I, she's not a she's not a good liar. So she, either,
1: I, 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 she either listens to it every Tuesday on the way to work or she is very, very good at lying to you. Yeah, well, I don't think that's the case. Um, I hope it's not, but who knows, right? <laughs> you anyway, wouldn't think uh, that, wouldn't you?
0: <laughs> the, point, the point being is I couldn't see a way out of talking about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, right? No, but it is, it is one of the most iconic yet understated sounds available out there. I would say it's right up there with the Fred Flintstones twinkletoes sound, right? I love very that sound. Recognizable. Here's, a list of, here's a list of places where the Diddy Laugh can be found. All right. The, wa- the Walking Dead. I'd love it. The, the Born Identity. Oh, Mulan. OK, Monster University. One of my favorites. Hot Fuzz. Who doesn't love that one? I'm a big fan. Uh, taken. I've never seen it, actually. I've never seen it taken, but it's in Taken. Uh,
1: it's, it's, it's like a walk in the tombstones, but also mm. starring Liam Neeson doing basically yeah. exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, BBC's Sherlock. And
0: countless other films. If you've ever played Starcraft 2, it's in there. And one of my personal childhood favorites, Rollercoaster Tycoon. So, you know, yeah. So it is also the 2012 Olympics opening ceremony. It is everywhere. It is very, that was uh, was China, right? Or was it London? Beijing was uh, 2008. Yeah, because I was in Iraq. So it was London 2012. Yeah. yeah, Okay. yeah, Yeah. So, um, the, uh, the short, enchanting burst of two children laughing. You know, it actually sounds like real laughter. It kind of takes you on a journey. At first, it sends up and then quickly cascades down. It's kind of pleasant to hear to the to the ears, um, but it is called the Diddy Laugh, and you'll be disappointed to learn that it has nothing to do with Sean Puffycombs. Oh man, you beat me to the joke. I was going there Eventually. I I, I tried to trace the roots and it's kind of a mystery, but this is what I was able to uncover. But on the joys of the Internet um, is in 1997, Nintendo released a a Donkey Kong game called Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, And the laugh is in the opening of that game.
1: You know how there's like feeder leagues in the and the in in baseball and and I've heard of them. Yeah. 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 It's like Diddy Kong Racing is where like the drivers go to cut their teeth before they get to go on the Mario Kart circuit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that Diddy made it. (laughs) They named the whole yeah, league yeah, after him. Right. I'm glad they, I'm glad he made it. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: The, the term Diddy Laugh was was coined by a man named Stephen uh, Paget. He is a former sound engineer, now a computer science teacher, actually. Okay. Uh, who first recognized the sound from the game. A lot of people hate the sound, actually. It's kinda I don't mind it, but it's one of those things where people hear it they kinda it's like it's like it cringes them out, right? Alright,
1: well let's play it again. Click. <laughs>
0: And I think it's fine. I think <laughs> I,
1: it's, I think it's definitely
0: recognizable. So the person responsible for the sound in Diddy Kong Racing found it in a collection under the company Hollywood Edge back in 1997. Uh, it, it, it was called. Two Young Kids Giggle. That was the original name of the sound. People who developed Diddy Kong Racing wanted to give it a family-friendly feel because there's nothing more wholesome than a giant ape throwing barrels, right? (laughs) Wanted to make it a uh, family-friendly game. It was actually intended to be temporary sound only, but it endured because of... There is this uh, in the public record, a lack of children laughing because if there's one thing we know about Hollywood is it sucks all the all the laughter and happiness out of children. So (laughs) anyway, so that is the Diddy laugh. And I think it's interesting when you hear it, think of this podcast and tell a
1: friend to listen to it. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we'll edit it in right here again. Click. It's really interesting because the Diddy Laugh is part of a long history of sound engineering in entertainment. Yes. And it kind of has its roots both in Foley work and also in Laugh Tracks. Ooh, Laugh. Um, Real quick before we get into Laugh Tracks, have you ever been to Hershey Park? I drove by it the other day. I've never been in there and we're planning a trip this summer. No spoilers. Okay, well, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, spoil away.
0: <laughs> there, I was gonna say, like, I was gonna say, it's a really spoiler. Oh man, someone told me the roller coaster was awesome. Don't tell me which way the roller coaster goes. <laughs> I didn't know it went that high. Yeah, no. Um, this chocolate tastes like chocolate. There is, yeah, right. There, spoiler alert, it's delicious. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there's a roller coaster called Laugh Track, and it's one of the best. It's one of the better rides in the park, I would say. So look forward to that.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So laugh tracks are kind of an interesting artifact from the early days of television so we do see laugh tracks uh pop up every now and again today but laugh tracks were ubiquitous from the 1950s through the 80s they started to fall a little bit out of favor in the 90s though they were still Mm. very prominent yeah then once you get into the 2000s when they started doing the more documentary style single camera uh single camera comedies like the office parks and rec they they eliminated it.
0: I know laugh tracks from like watching Nick at Night as a kid, watching like old classic sitcoms, Mork and Mindy, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Bewitched, Gilligan's
1: Island, uh, I Dream of Jeannie. Literally any any comedy uh, made in the nineteen fifties or sixties is probably or seventies is going to have a laugh track and it's going to be very prominent. Lucy. Yeah, yeah. Now what's really interesting about that? So like I said, laugh tracks are sort of an artifact, and there's there's a reason they they happened. It's because when television starts Started, the idea of taping broadcast and editing them was expensive so most of your shows co- most of your comedy shows were live and they were performed live in front of a studio audience and they all tell you about it in the opening credits it's like it's filmed live in a studio that's just it they don't at first oh like the filmed in front of a live studio audience doesn't start popping up until the 80s and the 90s when people caught on to the fact that laugh tracks existed interesting yeah how do you feel about laugh tracks anyway I'm generally against them. I think yeah, as a yeah. as a period concept, they were uh, I so when I'm when I I'm agree. watching old sitcoms, I like the laugh track. But if something new comes on, like I think Big Bang Theory used a laugh track. Didn't oh, it? yeah, they did. Yep. Yeah.
0: There, there was also a Netflix series about marijuana called Disjointed, and they use the laugh track. And I remember we were at a bar. We were at a brewery a few years ago and we were talking about it. And I said, and you asked me how the show was. And I said, well, my response was, well, they use laugh tracks. And you said, oh, <laughs> like to, so that's,
1: and that's a true story. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of uh, so the, the transition from live uh, live TV to single camera produced, edited comedies felt awkward because it wasn't what people were used to experiencing when they watched a television comedy. Enter the laugh track. From the 50s through the early 70s, most of those laugh tracks were being provided by a guy named Charlie Douglas. Ooh, is it? Was it his laugh? No, but it was He's his, recording it. It was his specialty. OK, wow. So from the late 1950s to the early 1970s, this guy, Charlie Douglas, is like the go to guy for laugh tracks in Hollywood. And oh, yeah. He, Chuck Doug. Big friend. Yeah. Big fan. Chuck D, if you will. The first Chuck D, the original. Not, not to be confused with Chuck D Jr. run DMC. He went to Hollywood when he chucked a wagon out that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the idea was this guy, he had a special machine that he built called the Laugh Box. Pause
0: real quick. There's no way this guy like wasn't a serial killer, right? Just going around showing people laughter.
1: What a creepy job. The the hardest part of his job was harvesting the laughter from his victims. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) Laugh mother. Yeah, laugh, you child. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. So the laugh track had literally just exactly 320 laughs on 32 tape loops with 10 laughs to a loop. So he basically had the modern equivalent of a soundboard with. Yeah. 320 laughs on it. And he would organize the laughs by type. So that way. okay. And he had specific laughs. So what he would do is he would literally mix the laughs in real time to be appropriate to the be appropriate to the scene and appropriate to the series. Would it be
0: something where the, the director or producers of the show were they able to pick which laugh
1: they wanted? Yes and no. Uh, because okay. this guy had a, a almost a virtual monopoly on laugh tracks because his <laughs> laugh tracks were so good. What a, What a creepy like capitalist, he had a monopoly <laughs> on laughter. so he had a little bit of sway in terms of because he was the guy yeah yeah you know so he could argue a case and and there were different people that worked for his company so his son got involved at one point and his son was a little bit more liberal with the laughs so his company would get contracted and people would hope that his son shows up because he's a little bit looser with the laughs that's funny that's funny yeah You're going to find his stuff in virtually every sitcom. So I'm not even going to bother listing it like Gilligan's Island, et cetera. All those like the ones you see on Nick at Night.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Right. And then in the early (laughs) 70s, Hanna-Barbera and a couple other studios start doing their own laugh tracks and enter competition.
0: Hanna-Barbera, of course, the creator of Jetsons, Flintstones and Yogi the Bear.
1: Yeah. So this whole this machine that he had was super mysterious. Like he'd literally like he'd wheel his laugh box in, plug mm. it up to their equipment and then output the la- and then manufacture the laugh. And because it was so proprietary, nobody really had the the same recipe for awesome that he did. Interesting. Now, what's really interesting is if you look at the way laugh tracks are used in various series, um, you have like Get Smart, the, the, the comedy, oh, yeah. the comedy spy show. Yeah, I love like it. Yeah. You'll, you'll notice that during the run of that series, the laugh track becomes more prominent as the show becomes more absurd. So uh, and then if, if, you're, if you're looking for a show that's moving kind of the opposite direction, the series mash starts off oh, a yeah. little bit more absurdist and then gets more serious over time. So what you'll notice is the laugh track kind of fades into the background. And interestingly enough, n- at no point during the, ma- uh, during the run of mash, Do they ever use a laugh track during an OR scene?
0: It was 11 seasons of M.A.S.H., which is like twice as long as the Korean War. So the show was way more successful than the war. I, you know, we
1: canceled that war too
0: soon. Well, it's, still, it's still Armistice. It's technically not ended, right? It, yeah. It, well, actually, you know what? It's just on hiatus. It could come back yeah. at any point. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, don't wait up for it. It's been decades. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. my gosh.
1: I'm, I'm not praying for a MASH reboot, if you know what I mean.
0: You would call them tater tots. <laughs>
1: browns or something oh man but no i would hate to see a reboot of mash that would I mean we have to go back to war with north korea and nobody's really looking to do that so laugh tracks are super interesting but there's one thing that makes me laugh more than anything what's that it's this question from r slash no stupid questions okay, well, hit me
0: with
1: it hit me with it all right this is the one you, you've like talked up to me that i don't know about so Well, I didn't want to tell you about it because this is one of those things where sometimes we share our notes, sometimes we don't share our notes. And every now and again, you run across something that has to be absolutely secret or otherwise it's not going to have that same impact. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hit me with it. I'm ready. My body's ready. Here's the question. This is coming from user Guppers. That's G-U-P-P-E-R-Z with a Z. Of course. A little bit wild. A little bit wild. Yeah. Yeah, Um, (laughs) if I was going to die of heat stroke and only had a dildo made of ice, (laughs) would I have a better chance at survival if I consumed it orally or stuck the entire thing up my butt? Okay. for clarification. Yep. It says, let's assume it has no balls to make it easier. Oh thank God! Okay, that was my number one
0: question: yeah. is, uh, is was it anatomically correct? Is the number one, like I got I, an ice sculpture? Um, I mean, again, going back to military days, I would say um, when you come across a heat casualty, one thing you should do is like as uh, loosen their clothes, you know, take their temperature, put ice up their ass. It's a standard procedure. It's standard operating. <laughs> pro- it's about serving your country. No, uh, I think it's an interesting question. I guess if I just walked upon a heat casualty and I just happened to have you know my regular Tuesday assortment of, of ice dildo.
1: Yeah, like if you if you're on your way to your frozen themed orgy,
0: I would yeah,
1: I would say um then, yeah.
0: Uh, Trying to come up with a, with a frozen joke, but it, 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 uh, it involves. It go, I don't want I, I don't want to go there. Oh, let it go. Let that's it go. Let it go. <laughs> let <laughs> it go.
1: I, that,
0: that, I, I don't have kids, so I've I'm not. I haven't seen I'm Frozen either, seen and either. I have
1: kids. I've managed to avoid it thus far, but I have a feeling when the third Frozen movie comes out, I'm probably going to have to marathon that shit. I
0: would say that if I had a dildo made out of ice, I would put it. Uh, I, I would put it under their armpits. So I'd put it in their groin. I don't think I would put it inside of them unless they were unless they paid me. But. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Treat me like one of your heat casualties. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. So let's talk about the merits of this. The uh, so when when somebody has heat stroke, you're talking about somebody who has their body temperature dangerously high. Yeah, it's like cooking their brain. Yeah, right. So the dildo made of ice can be inserted in both the mouth. And the anus in this circumstance. And while you may be adverse to penetrating your patient, mm-hmm. which, again, uh, we're going to assume this person is conscious because, duh. Yeah, All right. uh, like, uh, they're, re- they're really asking for, for the, it, literally. For the, for, yeah. for the sake of this question, we are going to assume, well, we're not going to assume consent. We are going to assume that the person administering treatment has received con- uh, consent. Yeah, we're uh, written we are and everything. One hundred percent. Boom. We have now. We have now dotted our dotted our T's and crossed our eyes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so the the advantage of uh, administering orally is that you are introducing uh, fluids, which can help to cool the internal body temperature.
0: Okay. But when you drink, the one thing you know about drinking alcohol is if you, you get drunk way quicker, if you put a beer in your ass. That's true. Which so means- you absor- you absorb it quicker. So maybe it's it, it's maybe better to get the fluids in quicker and to put it in the butt. All right. Well, I think that's settled then. Oh, sorry. Did I? I mean, I was just I was just walking through the logic of ice dildos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you've answered the question. No, I think you I think you answered the question. Like we were we were kind of chewing on it a little bit. We were chewing on it and you're just like, well, it absorbs faster in the butt. And I, we I, were like, just
0: rubbing around it just to see what the reaction was. Knocking on the door. <laughs>
1: The advantage of inserting this ice dildo into the butt is that you, there's no gag reflex. So <laughs> you <laughs> could actually cool more of the interior of the body and lower the core temperature faster. But I think the advantage to going orally is that if you're trying to cool down the brain at the same time, okay, yeah, the, the, the palate at the top of your mouth is a lot thinner yeah. than the distance between your butthole and your brain.
0: No, I I think uh, if I only had one, the ass is the way to go. Um, But if I have a if I have a
1: bunch of other ones, then I feel like, you know, dealer's choice, right? The most efficacious application of this would be to stick the dildo in the ass and the mouth, but not in sequence. Kind of like, oh, I
0: got you. So what you're no one's like running an ice train, uh, like like a like snow piercer. No one's running a snow
1: piercer. <laughs> <laughs> so so you have one ice dildo. You you can put one ice dildo in the ass, one ice dildo in the mouth. That's okay. okay. You can you can put an ice dildo in the mouth and then in the ass, but never Ooh, the other way we around. You can't go ass the mouth of the ice dildo. No, it's ass probably to gonna mouth. be
0: like really melted down, right? Oh god. I have a really greedy ass. I just want to suck it up, slurp it up, man. All right, There's I, no way my girlfriend isn't hearing me talk about slurping something in my ass right now.
1: Oh, man. I think we just. Uh, I, think uh, we I, think I think we got there. I think, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're you there took me to where I was trying to go, man. This is hilarious. Yeah. Here's here's the here's the good news. Here's the good news. Uh, one thing I love about doing this podcast is that we are constantly finding new fetishes to titillate our audience with. Oh and, yeah, and this is definitely one of them. Uh, but probably the most titillating thing our show offers is the music of Rick Reynolds. Thanks, Rick. Um, thank you for l- letting
0: us use your song when we talk about <laughs> ice dildos. <laughs> such, he's such a good sport. <laughs> He's, He's such a, a good great sport.
1: sport. He's a great sport. Uh, so his song uh, that we use as our theme is United from the album Portals in Progress, which you can find on all of your favorite MP3 platforms like Spotify, iTunes. And as of today, Pornhub, when one of our fans Jeez. uploads our uploads our audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely not our definitely not our our faces. Not our faces. No, they no, put, they, they no. probably
1: well, it'll be like a, a really it'll be like a group of really sexy TikTokers like oh. lip syncing to us.
0: Nice, nice. Oh, speaking of TikTok, uh, we are wreck your pod on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you're following our listener
1: group on Facebook as well. Yes, please, 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 please. Uh, everything you do. To support us, will be paid back tenfold, karmically speaking, not financially. Yep. Nope, absolutely not. Absolutely yep. not. So uh, make sure to like our podcast on all of those platforms. Follow us. Review us kindly review us kindly. Uh, maybe even toss some, uh, maybe even toss some words in that review. Don't, don't, don't just leave it at five stars. Five stars is like, oh, this person has a lot of friends. But if you stop and you take the time and you type out a message, like, oh my God, this is the greatest podcast ever. It helps us. I listened to it and it really got me through hard times. Thanks. You literally saved my life. Like, if you yep. wrote that, people be like, oh, maybe I should listen to this. Maybe I should tune in. Maybe I should I find... I should move on from begging now. <laughs> 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 All right. So if you find yourself between now and next week hovering over that share button on a social media post and you're looking at it and it just looks too wrong, too right, too good to be true or just plain too weird. And you don't have time to wait for us to put out another episode addressing the plausibility of that thing that you want to share. Be sure to take the time to check yourself. Don't wreck yourself.
0: We are united but we're so far apart. Change, we change. We are, but we won't.